hello and welcome to the Cock and Ball podcast. Uh, we can look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk at varying speeds from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Today, let's probably try and do a bit of a jog because there's not much to say, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm Jim. I'm your referee for this podcast, guiding you through proceedings in a fair and impartial manner, often receiving unwarranted abuse from my peers for doing so. But here we are. Uh, alongside me, we have our very own linesman, not afraid to make a dodgy call or hold a blatantly incorrect view, but he's here out <laughs> of the goodness of his heart and rises above the sniping from the sidelines. Uh, afternoon, Ash. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Jim? Good. Thank you very much. Uh, and alongside him, we've got this podcast's very own VAR. Nobody's quite sure how he happened. We like to complain about his presence, but here he is pointing out my mistakes and occasionally pulling a blinder. So we'll let him stick around. Hello, Jules. Evening, mate. How are we doing? <laughs> Yeah. First things first, let's do a bit of pastoral care. Uh, I've missed, have I missed two pods, three pods? God knows, it's been a while. We all keeping well, we all happy that the world's getting back to normal. Delighted that, that pubs are back. Um, it's just the, li- just the little things. Um, I'm going to try and go to the cinema on Friday and that, that's, that, that would have been such like a, a quiet Friday evening two years ago. <laughs> but right now it's, it's uh, incredibly exciting. Um, how are you doing, Ash? You, you good? Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit of a uh, recluse anyway, so now <laughs> I'm not too sure if this is any better than before. But I, I had an excuse for not going out before. Now I've got to uh, actually make an effort. How, how are you well, doing, Jim? I'll, yeah, I'm good. I'm likewise glad to be having some freedom. Went to a coffee shop and had a coffee before just because I could. I went to the National Gallery. It was lovely. Thanks for asking. Um, uh, let's actually do some football then, shall we? Tottenham Hotspur 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. Uh, win, clean sheet, pretty routine. Jules, can you ask for much more than that? Uh, I don't think so, <laughs> because we haven't had many routine wins this season. A clean sheet and two goals it was, was delightful. Um, it was all the kind of the classic trappings of, uh, of, sort of when we play well. Um, Harry did well. We had tens running off him. Uh, better intensity, I think, across the board. So, yeah, very good day at the office. Yeah, it was one of our best performances. Although, to be fair, we're playing against a Wolf side that showed about as much enthusiasm as I do in church. So, there's always, it's another one of those asterisk games, wasn't it? Like against Sheffield United. Um, but, yeah, we, we were pretty dominant throughout. We never looked like we weren't going to win that makes sense i think our attitude was good from the off which i think sort of uh, put us in good stead um, we're sharp first to every ball um and it's sometimes those simple things that just set the tone for for a game and, and getting three points really jules i know you mentioned uh, intensity i'm not, i don't necessarily think there was any need for much intensity because spurs were on the beach they obviously had their eyes on going to faro because they're all portuguese anyway but um <laughs> Ash, does that kind of please you? Because I know we talked at the end, particularly at the end of the Jose area, about how that that kind of punchiness and uh, ambition to make things happen had disappeared a little bit from Spurs' game. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a bit of a fear after the Leeds result that we'd start to go back into a slump and fall back into the old routine of heads down and, you know, just people just jogging around a pitch without putting much effort in. So it was nice to see... That actually we gave it a go we looked like we wanted to be there we wanted to win and we we do want to finish as high as we can there was obviously a few particularly impressive performances you mentioned harry kane there but Deli ali for me really stood out in that game um just popping up all over the pitch we, we talk about what Delhi brings and you'd be forgiven for thinking that 
Delhi's only really good at getting into the box and scoring goals because of the way that he's been portrayed after games and the ridiculous numbers that he got, obviously, in his first couple of seasons. But he's so much more than that. The way he offers, he's just always available for the ball, always. And as great as Ndombele is at getting the ball and taking on the man, he doesn't necessarily offer that so much. And his ingenuity at, at laying off the ball was was something that really helped us go. And you mentioned intensity, and I think that was part of it. The way we moved the ball quickly and and um, effectively was was really something that's positive and hopefully something that we can take forward. Yeah, I, th- I think he improves the players around him so much, doesn't he? Um, I always think I, I'm not sure I'd enjoy playing alongside Bale that much. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a right back. Well, but it's just a, it's just like he's not going to track back. He's not really going to pass the ball that much. He's basically just going to every time he gets it, cut in and twat it, um, <laughs> and, that's, and that's fine. But it's not great in terms of you know it doesn't support you. Um, but you look at when Delhi plays, how Son often does well off his through balls, how Harry does so much better for having someone within, you know, 10 yards of him. I think Delhi's great at making those runs just beyond him. But he also, that that through ball nutmeg for Harry to hit the post, that was so tasty. It was just when you, when you just saw it, it was like, oh, please do something. And he just slips it straight. Was it Connor Cody? Poor guy. He's, he's going yeah. to be having nightmares for days about that. That was absolutely... Whoa. That depends. That's if Sky Sports have left him alone yet, or if they're still trying to crawl their way out of his ass the way they were <laughs> raving about him the whole game. <laughs> Jesus. How does a centre back who conceded two goals get mad in a match? Beyond me. So he had a good game, well, didn't he? But and a lot of it was because he cleared it. But to be fair, how many times did he just clear it upwards rather than away? <laughs> it's an interesting point, though, isn't it? It's because we and like Jules has put in the Jules did the. Um, the structure for this pod, uh, well done, Jules, well played. Uh, he was going to present until I told him otherwise. Um, well, <laughs> I've literally definitely not throat. salty about it. It's okay, because I've only had my throne taken away from me at my first chance of sitting in it. Like, it's absolutely bullshit. Um, but no, it's an interesting point, isn't it? We, one of the things we were going to cover, which we kind of already have done, is was this a case of Spurs being good or Wolves being shit? And it's probably a, a bit of both, isn't it? But just kind of relating that to Delhi a little bit, one of the criticisms of him over over a number of years has been that he can be a bit of a Hollywood player, uh, that he's the sort of player you want in a good team that's doing well, but that he uh, can occasionally go missing when you need, you know, when, when it's kind of backs against the wall stuff. Um, this game had a, a classic kind of end of season feel to it, almost had a friendly feel to it. Since Ryan Mason's come in, you kind of seen it, flashes of the Delhi of old. But do we do we think that is because he is that good a player, or is there this kind of long term issue about his uh, his ability to turn up consistently and put in put in those seven eight out of ten performances every week? Uh, I think he's got all the ability in the world and consistency. I think some of it I've used been tainted by Jose Mourinho being an utter prick and just <laughs> booting him out of the team and chucking him under the bus at the you know the first opportunity to do so. And I mean, my brother asked on Twitter, we're at cock and ball underscore pod, for all of those who want to get in touch. He asked whether Dele should go to the Euros. And you got asked maybe of the 2026-man 20, extended squad that maybe he'll sneak in. But, I mean, unfortunately, he's, he's fighting against what Foden, Grealish, Mount... Um, there's a few others you can chuck in there as well so 
I think he's as good as those and probably better for, than most of them, maybe Foden aside. But it's, I, I think he I think he can do it. Like I said, he pops up all over the pitch and it really frustrates me when I go on Twitter after a Delhi performance because so many people go, oh yeah, but how many missed passes or how many times did he lose the ball? But you're going to do that when you try stuff. The only reason he loses the ball is because he takes the risks that you need to take in order to break down a, a stubborn defence or... Um, or to find that magic pass. And you mentioned, the, you know, perhaps looking like a Hollywood player. And that's, I think that's a fair criticism because he, he is always trying to do that, the flick and the trick, and he's trying to beat a man, which is obviously harder to do against the top teams. Um, or, you know, it's harder to do that when you've got two men on you. But he is a man who he's probably the only guy in our team that can consistently break down a defence. I, I feel. I don't think there's anyone better than him in that number 10 position in the Tottenham team. I don't know if you agree, Jules. No, I think that's, that's probably fair. I think he's the most uh, the most creative, the most likely to provide that kind of final third splitting pass or piece of magic. Um, I think there's absolutely no chance whatsoever of him going to the Euros. I, I will pay for your drinks all night, Ash, if, <laughs> if he actually goes somewhere. Um, because... Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't played nearly enough and had the end result nearly enough this season to, to compete yeah. when we've got such a talented squad. But no, he's, he's a very good player. And I, I think, you know, if Delhi's the kind of guy who, if you if you start him at 10 uh, in enough games, you know, he'll get you between 7 and 12 league goals a season. That's a really valuable player. And I think it, it, there is a question of, has Jose potentially stolen a year of one of our best players you know, peak peak stages. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's fair. Maybe it's not. Yeah, I, can't, I certainly agree. Certainly, with regard to England, I think it's too little, too late. Which I think is exactly what you put in your notes. It's just it's just a little bit too late, isn't it? You can't really justify. I don't think putting a player in that hasn't had that much exposure to, to big games. M- maybe the bigger squad, but I'd be amazed if he makes it into a match day squad in the Euros. But does it raise the question? I guess uh, as we were saying, if if he is. He's obviously a guy with extraordinary talent, but he does have, have that Hollywood streak in him. It, it does kind of raise the question, doesn't it, that you need, therefore, somebody behind him, uh, certainly for Spurs, that can mop up when things do go wrong and he ends up turning over the ball to the opposition. Yeah, but you should have that in any team, surely. I mean, you have, Ronaldo was phenomenal at going past players, but he lost the ball every now and then. Um, Messi every now and then misplaces a, a, miss, a pass. It's you know it happens it's football and fortunately we've got Hoiberg that does did really well against Wolves he was sort of back to his best he it was just he was all over the place as well and just put a foot in all the time but yeah you need your you need your midfielders there to mop it up but you need your attacking place to take risks otherwise you're, you're not going to break down a team I think you you mentioned Hoiberg uh Jim and he had a good game, but this is also exactly the kind of game where he will dominate for me. Like, I think he's good against your Wolves, your Villas, uh, your, sort of your lower half of the table uh, or mid-table teams. Um, I think the, the problem we've maybe found with him this season is that he's a, great, he's a very good player and he's a lovely leader. But I think we've at times been a bit ambitious thinking we can stick him in there against United and he can just cover everything. Because he's not Kante. And that, and that is no criticism, by the way. Like Kante is probably the best holding or box-to-box midfielder, I think, since Makaleli. Um, but, yeah, I think Hoiberg had a good game. But what we need to balance is the games where we can start Lascelles alongside him like we have 
uh, like we did in the last couple, and the ones where maybe we need a, a slightly more authoritative presence um, mm. in there with him. And I think getting that balance right will, will, will protect him a little bit. That doesn't include Tissoko, though. There is no excuse or reason to ever say Tissoko. <laughs> I stayed clear of the S word, don't you? Know? <laughs> no, absolutely. But that's that's so important that our attacking players start to, to take risks. And I think that was a big positive in the game. That's the biggest change between Mason coming in and what we saw under Jose Mourinho was our players seem to want to try and play, be the one to play the pass. No one seems to ever take a man on. Um, when we saw runs, it was from Son trying to get him behind, and it was the same run every time, and it became predictable. But I think we saw with Deli coming in, and we saw Bale take on Semedo quite a few times, which is no mean feat. Semedo's got, you know, he's got gas to burn. So I, that's what I want to see, and that's what I hope that would get in the manager going forward is someone that allows our, our attacking players to express themselves. And if we can get a few centre backs in, and maybe in, in a midfielder, and that can help us be you know, solid behind them. I want our, our attackers to take every risk in the world because that's how we're going to get goals. I, d- I also, though, personally would say I've, I've not been impressed by Mason. I think Mason has basically used football manager and just checked by average rating <laughs> and just, just gone ask assistant. Like, it's, I, don't, I don't feel like he's, I don't know, done some tactical... Uh, ingenuity let's put it that way don't get me wrong it's like i said what he's done is just allow our attacking players to be themselves which is what was it's not so much what he's done is he's unpicked what jose Mourinho did um you know just allowed us to be on the front foot is he our solskjaer no nowhere near no no that's no <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna justify that with some more kind of explanation, but I just no. <laughs> he's, he's not, he's not, um, he's not show, is he? If you're using that analogy, he's gigs. Right. Uh, he's not. I mean, I know you, you're, you're not a huge fan, Jules, but I mean, there's, in fairness to the guy, he wasn't expecting it. He's 29. Uh, but what kind of, what would you have expected him to have done? Bearing in mind as absolutely zero percent chance of him getting the job no i suppose he's, he's doing what you'd expect i just don't think we we sh- we you know i still think there's a lot of there's a level above this which this Tottenham team can reach i think with the right coach with the proper training in place i think with um a, a more cohesively put together squad i still think there's another level above i don't think we should think just because we got a 2-0 win over wolves that everything's fine and dandy at the end of the day you know they're, they're having a pretty shit season uh, and they're in quite a flux period because they've been <laughs> very reliant on Raul Jimenez and how he leads the line, and his absence is is sort of um, I don't know felt felt writ large on that team, isn't it? About Wolves, they they are having a really poor season. I think it's kind of gone under the radar how poor how poor they've been. I think I spoke to a friend of mine who's a Wolves fan about three months ago, and I said, "Yeah, you're having a pretty underwhelming season." You know, kind of how do you feel about it? And it, and at that point, he was like, "Well, we're not necessarily underperforming. We're about where we were last year, but it's just that the teams are like the Villas and the Evertons and what have you above them were kind of playing beyond themselves." Uh, and I asked him the same question again last night. And said, how, how, how do you think your season's gone? Uh, and he just said, the season's been wank and not a good kind of wank. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's no real value in these kind of games, is there? It's not, it's not a test for Spurs. It was 
like uh, if we were, it's game. We're, I think if we were in a different situation, if we were fighting for the tie, uh, title, or if we had a genuine shot at being in the Champions League, then I, I don't think would be describing off oh, as just a victory against little old Wolves who haven't been performing. Would be describing about how we're winning the important games and picking up the important points. It it is like it is obviously. Like I said, it's got the asterisks next to it, like it did at Sheffield, who were really, really bad. But we we went out there and we dominated, and they just still have a few players that can hurt us. We saw that in Adama Traoré; he got through the middle quite a few times. Mm. But on the whole, we did mm. we we nullified their threats and we we dominated the ball, which is. I mean, I, I was actually I was really unimpressed with their approach in total. We get I mean, no, 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 Spirito Santo has been linked with us quite a lot, and. I hope he doesn't join based on that performance. There was no pressing, quite little organisation on the whole, really. They just relied on Cody to get his head to everything. I'm not sure... Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you were impressed by anything they did, Jules. No, I thought they were they were quite gash, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I know, lovely. Um, no, I think they... Stay they, classy, everyone! <laughs> I think, I mean, at the end of the day they've got some very good players and players who I would take at Tottenham, um, but they're also one point better off than Palace. And when you're one point better off than a team that has Will Saha and nobody else, a team, that still has, a team that still has Andros Townsend starting from on the wing that has Scott Dan and, you know, Gary Cahill at 37 years old at the back. I don't think I don't think this is a you know this is a, a wolves cream of the crop team put it that way. But as you say, a win's a win. You know, <laughs> the job is done. You know how uh, ne- next week we're going to look back and laugh at ourselves and each other about the predictions we made. Uh, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one in early here. Palace are going down next season. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> is that is that with or without Roy Hodgson? Is he retiring? Is that without. the issue? Well, I, I don't think that's the issue. But I think they've got it's either 14 or 15 players out of contract. Yeah. Uh, some of them will stay, some of them will go, but they've got a huge rebuilding job. They're going to need a new manager. They don't have a load of money and they're not very good. So <laughs> <laughs> Prognosis um, is bleak is what Jim's trying to say there. Uh, just very quickly, uh, Jules, keen to move on, but you, you mentioned there about Spurs having a couple of players that, uh, sorry, uh, Wills having a couple of players that Spurs would take. And, and I kind of agree. I know a, a few weeks ago I mentioned about taking in transfer policy some of those players from teams like Wolves or Southampton that are, are not bad, but they're kind of the best gems out of an average bunch. Would Adama Traore be one? I wouldn't go for Adama Traore uh, because I'm not sure he's really a clear upgrade on what we've got. The standouts for me would be Neves in holding midfield. To me, looks looks like a, a really good player. Um, and personally, I know uh, Ash has been digging him out a little bit for Sky, taking a bit of a shine to him. But I would take Connor Cody ahead of Eric Dyer every yeah. day of the week. Agreed, agreed. Also just for his leadership, um, his leadership character. Two games left then. Uh, one against Villa, one against Leicester. Uh, Villa have nothing to play for. Leicester very much do. Ash, with the table as it is, how important do you think those last two games are for kind of framing this season and looking back on it and how successful or otherwise it will have been yeah i mean considering the way we were just before christmas considering the hopes we were i don't think we'll be looking back at it and seeing it's a success no matter where we finish because obviously we're not getting top four and that's our ultimate goal 
And considering how excited we all were with the transfers that came in, they seem to fill the right holes and bring in the right quality, which a few of them just haven't worked out. But we Europa, we have to we have to fight Europa League because the conference just isn't good enough. We've discussed it. The the money you spend getting out there compared to the money you spend you, you win, it's just not worth it. And the danger of injuries and all that, and the way it affects your your league season, wouldn't be worth it. But we need the Europa League, and they're going to be two very, very difficult ones because Leicester—they're probably fighting to be in the Champions League. If they mm-hmm. understand, if they if they lose to Chelsea, then it's out of their hands. So they'll, if whatever happens, they're going to be really, really gunning for it. And Villa—they looked pretty ordinary against Crystal Palace, but they've shown even in that game that they can score out of nothing. Really, they've got a few players in uh, Watkins, and we've seen Grealish come back that can really do damage. So. We need to go with the right intensity. It's not going to be a walk in the park in the same way that Wolves was, but they're certainly Villa. We should be winning, and Leicester is a game that that we can win if we uh, if, if we turn up like we can. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. Um, I think Villa are a great test for this Spurs side because they're very work workmanlike but very functional. Like they're like um, like by no means is that that they're you know not good players, but I think like John McGinn in centre mid. He's I love not John gonna, yeah, he's 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 not a more talented player than who we've got, mm. but he's going to be difficult to play against. Um, I think it's El Mahamadi who plays on on the wing for them, and he's nothing special, but he's got like eight league goals. And um, Watkins again will be a nuisance for our centre backs, particularly for Dyer, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> anyone is a nuisance for Dyer. <laughs> anyone is, but you know, I can imagine the way that he harries and presses will be really effective. So it's 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 a very tough one, um, and then Leicester they will be in that Champions League scrap. So they're going to be right up for it in terms of the, the final game. What what makes me worry is that West Ham are on the same points as us in the same game, uh, same game, sorry. Um, but their final two games are West Brom and Southampton. Um, so I can't help but feel they're probably going to do better than us in those. And that might land us in the, the dreaded conference. I, I think, though, uh, three points is going to be enough because I, I suspect Leicester have come to Spurs' rescue here. Uh, just looking at the table, realistically, I don't think Spurs are going to finish fifth. The gap is four points and Liverpool, I'm, I am sure, are going to win, win at least one of their last two games. However, if I understand it correctly, because Leicester have won the FA Cup, they would. that is the Europa League. And they're also guaranteed to finish at least in the top five, even if they lose both of their games. So Leicester's Europa League spot is going to go to the seventh place team now and the the Conference League will go to eighth. Are you sure about that, Jim? I think there, there is some confusion about yeah. that because there's a lot of people saying there can only be seven English clubs in European competition. So I, I really have no idea how it works. I'm just going off what the Premier League's website says, which admittedly no, is probably probably wrong knowing <laughs> what the Premier League are right like but <laughs> I guess so I guess what what we'd be hoping for and what we were already hoping for is that Leicester beat Chelsea tomorrow night uh, in what is a huge game um, that would guarantee Leicester to finish in the top four regardless of their final day result at which point they will hopefully come with a slightly relaxed attitude to us um, and we could therefore get something I can um, see West Ham losing at least one of those two games as well. West Brom, yeah. they've got nothing to lose. And we saw even in their fight against Liverpool that 
you know, a few of their players are all right. They haven't got anyone amazing, but they've got a few all right. Well, one, one all right player. I think they're quite uh, awful. Like, yeah. I think, let's call it no, as we but, see it. Like... Yeah, they're, they're going to be hard. I reckon they'll be hard to break down and Southampton can turn up and beat anyone. So I reckon yeah. they'll drop points. I reckon they will. Yeah, I agree. And also West Ham are not in good form. I think they've only won one of the last five. So, um... yeah, and fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> That was good. Let's um, turn our attention then to a few uh, listeners' corner questions. Jules wants to know of you, do Sessegnon and Skip come into this team? I want... Skip comes in, 100%. 100%. Because we're not going to spend money on a Hoiberg replacement or, you know, backup when Skip's there. I'd like him, in an ideal world, to have another... You know, to return to Norwich on loan and have a season battling out against relegation, or you know, just a, a good fight in the Premier League with with that side that he's comfortable in and he's settled in to to really acclimatise. But we need him too much. We need him too much. And Sessignon, I'd love to see him come in and be our rotation option with Sessignon, so that when our left back changes, the whole game doesn't have to. But um, I can't see Davies dropping out or being sold or being moved on. So. I'd like to see Session get another loan, hopefully closer to home, so we can we can watch him a bit more often. Crystal Palace, um, Crystal Palace feels like a <laughs> likely destination, doesn't it? Well, they've got Van Arnholt, who's one of the players who's out of contract, so maybe he can go fill that fill that slot. Lisa Westall asked on Facebook, uh, Jules, you can have this one. Uh, her question is, why has uh, Son gone backwards this season? She says watching him against Wolves. Uh, he couldn't pass the ball forward, and she's got a point, hasn't she? He's been pretty dog poo for quite a lot of the season <laughs> using the uh, scientific term there i see jim um yeah he's he's had a bad season i think he suffered from two things uh one is being coached by jose Mourinho, <laughs> um, who just gets you to run and just completely destroys any confidence i think you have with the ball at your feet which is very different from running in behind and shooting i just think when you're then asked to actually take the ball and take players on the fear factor is almost there. Um, the other is that I think we ran him into the ground a little bit. Um, he you know, is, is the key star for his international side. When he hasn't been playing for the internationals or for us, he's been um, on doing his military service. I think he's a player who desperately needs a few weeks away and then to come back fully recharged and, you know, with, with a kind of having had an emotional break as well. Because I think there's been moments this season you've, it's been clear the kind of the toll that I think the pressure we put on him has has resulted in. Mm, it does feel, doesn't it, like he's he just has the hallmarks of a of a player that needs a physical and a mental rest. So yeah, um, I think we'd all agree with that. Um, Darren North, I'll take this one. Darren North asks, what uh, what's the voodoo that's holding our club back? Um, I mean, obviously, it's Martin Yarl after sacking him and replacing him with one day only Ramos. <laughs> we deserve everything we get after that. The curse. The curse lives on. <laughs> he's, he's sat in his flat in Amsterdam somewhere with a little voodoo doll. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I, I don't mean to hand out a roasting here, but is that club being really being held back? I mean, Spurs, if you look at the teams that finish above Spurs in recent years... City and Chelsea have got all the money in the world. Liverpool and United, rightly or wrongly, are just bigger clubs with bigger resources and, in a lot of cases, better players. 
Um, Spurs have had two major cup finals in the last couple of years, won a trophy more recently than the vast majority of clubs compete relatively well with a squad that isn't particularly balanced or well coached. So um, I, th- I don't think there's a voodoo. I think it's about how well the, the club is run. And if you uh, if you look at Leicester as a test case, there is your gold standard example of a club that's incredibly well run. They are sickeningly likeable, aren't they? I hate them. And they're sort of... <laughs> I really hate them. <laughs> Ash, how can you hate Leicester, I, honestly? The same way that I hated my brother when he got his new car when I was 17. <laughs> Jealousy. Yeah, that's the only reason. And I, you know, I have no shame in admitting it. It's pound for pound value, isn't it? Um, I, th- I think they're partially still riding the crest of winning the league. Five years ago now, I mean, it, it seems crazy to me that it's that long ago, but um, it was it, it was slightly weird in the FA Cup final hearing them afterwards. BBC Sport were going on about how this is the start of a new beginning for Leicester and how they're going to kick on. I'm like, have you been here for the last five years? <laughs> They've literally won the Premier League and they've pretty much been there or thereabouts ever since. <laughs> I was going to say, this, but, is, you know, this, is, this is the end of the Leicester era. It's not, uh, it's yeah. not the beginning of one, but it, it I, does, yeah. But no, they've got a good coach. They've got an excellent scouting network. They make sure that they maximise every single penny. I was talking to my brother about Leicester and he pointed out one of the main differences in how we dealt with our sort of ascension when we had the right kind of factors pulling our way in there and how they've done it is that they did sell to key domestic rivals and make a huge profit on players who actually are maybe not quite worth that money. Like Harry Maguire for £80 million has funded a lot of players coming in for them. Yeah. Ben Chilwell is not a what, £65 million player. <laughs> um, they got Mares for 65 Kante was 35 I think he had a couple of years left on his deal. We had moments when United were genuinely interested in, what, Eric Dyer, £40 million. Pounds. I think Toby Alderweire had £45 million. At certain moments, maybe, I know we we really wanted to keep together a talented squad, but should we, and it's one thought I've got looking back on it, should we have sold one or two to fund, you know, four or five coming in? Um, yeah, I think so. It's uh, what, it's another thing, you, you kind of pointed it out there, that they, Leicester, that is, have been very good at recognising peak value. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they took... Uh, Chilwell, for example, and realised that they were not going to get any more money for him than they were at that point. Uh, it raises an interesting question about Harry Kane, doesn't it? And, and the same kind of vein, because he is pretty much, apart from Son, really the only star player left there at, at, at Spurs. But his value is probably as high now as it will ever be. And it's not going to get any higher because of his age. Um, so if you're following that method of thought, which is a good one, do you cash in on Kane and bring in five or six others? question can i just don't know take a, take a very brave manager if we ha- if i had if we had the scouting network that i had confidence that would bring in the right players then i would consider i would absolutely consider it but we just know that it's not going to happen and we'd end up bringing uh jensen fernandez and vinicius back on loan. so <laughs> that's yeah if we if if we had part we, we mentioned it in the last podcast i say we jules mentioned it i'll give you the credit you deserve um, the great thing that Leicester have done is they've always had someone backing up before a sale was even made. So they had Soyuncu. they had Soyuncu in before Maguire was even out. They they have yeah. a an idea of what's going to happen and 
they you know they actually have a plan which is what we daily lack and i think that's it's more that than voodoo that's holding us back as well to tie it back in mm. i think mm. that's it's it's a skillful business model to that relies on you having better scouts and better business people at the club um but i think you look at other clubs who have managed to do this successfully in the past like monaco or like Lille will do the summer there's a skill to it and knowing when to release at peak value and jim's wording i think is one which we could desperately do with uh, with with mastering if we want to want to follow the leicester model simon says why does gary neville give man of the match to a defender on the losing side this is obviously connor cody yeah i mean listen he, he had a good game but good at best he was beaten for our first goal like I mentioned, it was quite, he, he got his head to the ball first a lot of times, but quite a few of those, he just headed it up and, it, and not away. So I, he was not man of the match at all. I think we do have a, a weird culture here where we want to see English players do well, which is fine, but we always put them on a different pedestal than we do other players as well. So if we see an English player doing doing well, we you know we, we act as if they're world beaters and they've just had mm. a phenomenal game and that just wasn't the case. I mean, there is no way he played better on Hoybier or Deli Alley, even in that game. But I don't know, maybe it's a bit of defenders union and probably he gets a spotlight a lot because we had a lot of the ball and we were putting the ball in the, in the box a lot. So he was always there or thereabouts and they were saying his name a lot. But um, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, fair. Cool. Uh, lastly, then, Jules, um, question from Kean. Uh, what are your thoughts on protesting at the stadium uh, like, like United have been doing uh, recently and uh, thoughts on Enoch and Daniel Levy? God, that's a big question. Christ, <laughs> you want to finish yeah, this in five minutes? I'm going to start the countdown timer. Um, <laughs> yeah, is, is this going to be like music at the Oscars when you want to get me off stage? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think I, my, the, the simple answer is Protesting at the stadium is, uh, is I think, a, a good thing to do. I think it's important that we, as fans, make our voices heard. Um, I also don't think it's acceptable to throw bottles at policemen. So I think, you know, there's a line here. You don't have to damage or trespass on property. I think you can protest peacefully. Um, and that, that should deal with the first part. Um, on Enoch and Daniel Levy, they're not going to go anywhere because they are very, the, the, the club is very much in their grasp um, and it's a, of enormous value. What I would like to, to see and what I'd say to them if I, if I ever got the chance was, can you please just run the business side of the club and recognise that you need sporting expertise on the other side? I think yeah. we're, we're crying out for uh, a Campos or a Ranić or, or someone to step in with that expertise um, and for them to recognise that if they want it to be a, I would make the economic argument to them, which is if you want it to be a high value asset, it will be more high value if you stay out of the sporting decision. <laughs> so learn learn to step away. Basically, know your place. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I try to put it in a, in, a, in a more gentle sense. But yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, let's uh, move on quickly then to um, match predictions. There's only... Uh, 10 days or so left of the season. Uh, so, first of all, uh, Aston Villa. Uh, Jules, what are you saying for that one? I'm going to say 2-1 win. Fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. And hopefully Eric Dyer is too busy tending to his garden to turn up for that game and we can <laughs> we can have another centre back in instead, but I can't he's see a, us not conceding. He's a fucking lattice of a human being, isn't he? <laughs> well hopefully he grows some carrots to improve his fucking eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reminding me about uh, about his about his garden. I'd forgotten to mention that, but there we are. <laughs> Um, Tom would have been disappointed if we didn't. Yeah, he can. He can. We'll find out now whether he actually listens or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I agree. It will be a Spurs win that one. Uh, last um, Villa are on the beach now, aren't they? So I, I would say three-one. Last game of the season then is Leicester. Uh, Ash. Uh, they potentially uh, will have Champions League football to play for. So it should be a, a bit of a good game that one, shouldn't it? Yes, it all depends on their result against Chelsea beforehand and if they, they need to fight or not. Because we've seen them, they can be pretty ordinary at times, but when they've got something to fight for, they tend to be pretty uh, pretty good and they move the ball about pretty well. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to sit on the fence, basically, and go over 1-1. <laughs> it's funny that, because I was just about to do exactly the same. And <laughs> in the spirit of breaking from normal... Uh, practice. I'm just going to say one all as well because why not? Which means <laughs> Jules, you have to be different because that's the rules. Uh, I'm happy to be different because I think we're going to lose three two. Um, I think unfortunately Jamie Vardy is going to have a field day against slow centre backs, um, and they will probably, having beaten Chelsea, be feeling in in very sort of free flowing form. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think that might happen, but hopefully we still squeeze into sixth. Um, so if if West Brom or Southampton could do us a favour against <laughs> the fucking Hammers, that'd be delightful. Well, uh, I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there for today. Um, there's not too much else to say, is there? To be honest, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can obviously follow us on our social media channels uh, at Cock and Ball underscore Pod on Twitter. There are some other social channels, Ash. <laughs> yeah, oh. just, just search us Cock and Ball Pod. You'll find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. I think the pod is quite an important part there. Yeah. Feel free to leave us a review on Spotify or Acast or, or wherever you usually get your podcast if you want to, as long as you're friendly. Next week, we'll do a bit of a roundup uh, episode. Um, we'll look back at season, take the mickey out of ourselves for how badly, uh, how badly wrong our... Uh, forecasts for the season were uh, and have a bit of fun till then enjoy the pub indoors safely uh, stay well and uh, look forward to not having to suffer for any more spurs for a few months <laughs>